This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This is an interesting uh, conversation because he talks about something we've discussed a little bit here um, and Glenn has been fascinated by for a while. I sent him last night a clip of a interview that Steve Bannon did with a European think tank in 2014. You think, how the hell did Well, BuzzFeed drew some attention to this a few months ago before the election happened. Um, and it was basically his, they did an, an investigation on the rise of nationalism in Europe in 2014. And so as part of that investigation, they attended some of these symposiums where, uh, people, you know, these groups were talking, um, and, and kind of tried to follow the rise. Right. What they what they did not have any real there was no re- they were not looking to get any information on Steve Bannon out of this it was a totally different separate investigation but as he rose in sort of prominence in the um uh Trump campaign he, they released the transcript and the video of this and so the video um goes through it's about i don't know how long it is but it's it's a lengthy uh interview he talks you know a lot of it's just him bragging about how great Breitbart is and talking about the Tea Party and things that are are you know whatever heard that from him right before, moderately too. interesting but he goes into this one part where he's talking about Russia, and obviously now the greatest friend of the Trump campaign ever is, is Russia. They love uh, Russia. They love Putin. Bar- uh, Bannon was very critical of, of uh, Putin at times and seemed to go into some of the, uh, talk, the conversation Glenn has had about nationalism, traditionalism coming from Russia, things that Glenn has warned. Wow. This will appeal to you if you're a social conservative um, but remember, this is Vladimir Putin, and they're doing for a separate reason. They're trying to create chaos. Talked about Alexander Dugan as one of his advisors. And Bannon seems to refer to him or someone like him uh, and also discuss how this approach is coming from Russia. And he seems, at least on the surface, somewhat concerned about it, though also recognizing its effectiveness. And now, of course, he's right. utilizing those same tactics uh, here in the United States. So it's kind of an interesting read. Talked to, I uh, sent that to Glenn last night. We, we discussed it for a while. Uh, he started talking a little bit about Trump and sort of the, 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 the differences of nationalism versus populism, both of which I can't stand, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, patriotism is one thing. Um, certainly prioritizing your country over uh, others when it comes to national policy is a sensible choice. Be nice. But nationalism, I don't like. Uh, and I really don't like populism. Populism to me is like, is a human weakness. The fact that you go and you're like, oh, well, uh, you know, well, these things appeal to people. I will continue to do them, even if they don't work as a governing philosophy. Uh, I, I, hate, I hate that. It's the exact opposite why I would, we, I would want to elect people. And that's why, uh, you know, we don't have a democracy. It's why we have a, a representative republic. The, our founders hated this sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, that's just not important to people anymore. But here's a piece of that conversation from yesterday. So in the Washington Post this weekend, there was a a Venezuelan economist who, uh, his headline, he wrote an interesting piece for them called 
uh, in Venezuela, we couldn't stop Chavez, don't make the same mistakes we did. So of course he's comparing Chavez and Trump. Politically, there's not so much a comparison yet, but he's, <laughs> his point was that they're both, you know, extreme populists and they had a lot of success with nationalism and, and when did that national thing. populism become something that conservatives say is a good thing they're openly calling themselves nationalist and populists that's one of the most i mean am i the only one that learned in school that's a dangerous combination yes Yes, you are. They don't know. Oh, my god! They think when they hear this, Glenn, they think it's apple pie in America. That they think, well, I like my nation. I love America. That's what they, and, and I it's don't popular. think so. I don't think so. I think, I think people are just so done, they want it to end. They just want somebody make it stop. I, somebody, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. I haven't had a raise in forever. I'm on the verge of losing my job. I'm worried about everything. I'm worried about the Muslims. The, I'm worried about the border. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about the, the dollar. I'm worried about all these things. Somebody just take care of it because I don't have time. I think that's what people are feeling. I'm a little bit more with Doc because <clears throat> the, from the people I've talked to, I'm like, <clears throat> Does the, the whole nationalism thing worry you? And they're conflating nationalism with patriotism. They're like, no, it's good to have someone who loves America and respects America and wants to promote America. I'm like, that's not what nationalism is. And they, but to them, they, they're not seeing that. They, they're conflating nationalism and patriotism. I think it starts with what you're saying, though. And we've been under the gun, some of us, for literally 20 years. You're yeah. saying, I've been beat up with this stuff all the way back George W. Bush. And then we got this guy, and what are you criticizing him for? He's just pro-America. He's no, a he's, nationalist. Yeah. And he's for what's popular. He's a populist. I've warned about, how did my audience miss this? I've warned about nationalism and populism. You go back to the Fox chalkboards. I'm there saying populist and nationalist, bad. I don't, and that's what will happen. I don't consider Trump a <clears throat> populist, though. If he was a true populist, he would have won by a far greater margin than he did. Yeah, no. I think I literally think he's just here to capitalize on severe overreach on this globalist agenda. I mean, severe. I mean, we've had globalist presidents dating back till how how far? Forever. Until yeah. Clinton. Well, he's like Woodrow Wilson. He's an expert. Theodore yeah. Roosevelt. Right. I yeah. mean, but now we've gone so far toward in that direction, and people are now just kind of tired of it. They're like, yeah. no, I'm tired of giving up sovereignty. I'm tired of it. People are just, they're pissed. And I personally, this is what's dangerous about it, is I agree with that. We shouldn't give up, you know, there's, there's little hints of it that you can, you can agree with. The even more dangerous part of it is, is that to further this agenda, they've co-opted, you know, um, dangerous elements, radical elements. All right. They've co-opted them into it. They said, look, we're going to say, just like I said before, just enough fiery rhetoric to allow them to come on into our, to our line. We're going to bring them in. We're going to, like goes only so far, so as we don't take it too far, but we're gonna allow you to come in. So now people think that conservatism is nationalist, populist. Well, fascism. that's exactly what the Democrats did. They brought Marxism in, yep. and they thought they could keep them at bay, and Marxism now rules the roost. But see, all those ideas sell well to people. They have a great marketing to them. You know the history of marketing well. Boy, your life's horrible, I'll make it better. Just, you know, help me out here. But I think maybe Bannon's the nationalist populist. You get different oh, yeah. people, the people that support him when they confuse it. But I don't think that's who Trump is. I really don't. I think he generally wants to go do a good job, and I think he's also ego-driven. I think it's a lot about him. And he's willing to sign on with Bannon or whatever because they just build him up. 
Yeah, I don't yeah. even. They don't understand what's going on. I don't even think Bannon is all of that that's associated with him. Like this, he's just using useful I idiots. I think he's incredibly smart. Yeah, and he's useful using idiots. useful idiots. Okay. They're, they're both expert opportunists, really. And there was a, a, a narrow little window to slip in the door because of these eight years previous things people didn't like about George W. Bush. What, what, did, the, what did this article say about Venezuela that, that was like us, that made us? Well, he was mainly pointing out uh, mistakes that he feels like the opposition to Chavez made. For example, playing into uh, this polarization thing between. Uh, I agree. He, he was like, that's one of the things that you must avoid. Um, is playing into that because with the populace, you know, if you're not on their on their side, basically you're a culprit. You know, if you're, it's victims versus culprits for them, and so he's like, don't play into that. He even used the example of the the cast of Hamilton. You remember after the show when they uh, scolded mm -hmm. Vice President Pence, and he was like, that's a horrible strategy. That shaming is never a good strategy against, you know, a, a guy like this. Saul <laughs> Lindsay said the same thing. <laughs> Although he's right, where were you for the last eight years? Yeah. Some of this stuff was going no, but, on too. But you know. it has changed. It has changed. It has gotten, it's dangerous. It's really, really dangerous now. And it would have been dangerous even if Hillary Clinton was in. We're at a place to where we are so used to fighting and tearing each other apart and not listening Nobody's listening to one another. The marchers, they're, be, they're useful idiots, I think. You know, I'm sure the vast majority are really, truly upset. Um, and, but that's not necessarily what the promoters, that's not necessarily their goals. And nobody on the left is even looking at it. And the right, we just, I mean, we're just playing into it. How does that end? How does that end? As they come and start so early, remember the Tea Party didn't start until almost summer. It was in the spring. Obama had done a lot of stuff. That's when the Tea Party said, you know what, I gotta stand up. These guys stood up at the very first yeah. day. So they're enemies, locking horns, day number one. I was out in DC during the protests on K Street, the one where they lit the limo on fire and that, and filmed a bunch of stuff. I don't know if you saw the Facebook Live stuff I did. And there were a lot of people out there that were the masses just going along with what was going on. There was about 5% or so of people who I think were likely transported in. I mean, these people were ready to go, all dressed in black, black masks, the whole thing. And they knew exactly what they were doing. They were pulling up the bricks, smashing them so they'd have two bricks then, lobbing them. I mean, it was textbook protesting from like a third world country or something. They knew exactly what they were doing. One of the things he points out in this article is, uh, I think, as a criticism to those protests, he said a hissy fit is not a strategy. And uh, that's, it's not going to go anywhere or accomplish anything for those people who but, want to get rid of it. But a, that wasn't a hissy fit. That wasn't what that was about. They were wanting sure. to punish and intimidate. That's what that's about. I, I think some of the women's march was more of the hissy fit that he's talking about. But I will tell you that this is all sounding like my chalkboard on Fox about Hungary. Anybody knows the history of Hungary, this is what happened, exactly what happened. Switch power, radicals were already on in the inside. Um, they uh, start uprisings in the street. It goes out of control, hate. The country is split in two, and they cry out, somebody, please, somebody just stop it, and the Russian tanks roll in and take it over. And it never, it's, it loses its freedom for, what, 40 years? I mean... 
inside out. This is what Van Jones said, inside out, upside down. Going to turn it all inside out, turn everything upside down. And when people are at their most frenzied, that's when you strike. That's when you seize power. Well, it's interesting when you think about, we talked about before, about a political agenda, you know, about our global strategy for security and how they're pushing this, you know, this extreme nationalist point of view all over the world. You mentioned places like Hungary. Hungary is on the verge of going through that exer- very same thing because they have their alt-right movement that's starting to join forces with more moderate uh, conservatives or whatever. Does that sound familiar here? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happening in France. That's happening in Germany. Um, Alternative for Germany. And in Hungary, he praised Trump. <laughs> right. He, he loves him. Oh, they all do. Yeah. They, they all do. They, every single one of these leaders love Trump. They all love Trump, and they all love Putin. I'm just thankful we have Justin Trudeau in Canada. That's I'm just happy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did yes. you see his tweets? Sexy man. Sexy he, man. When he said, we'll take the refugees, he knows he's probably not going to get them because nobody wants to go to Canada. You know what? There's no fear they're going there. <laughs> he, he said, we'll take the refugees, and literally hours later, they were hit with another Islamic terror. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> hours later. Mm-hmm. Literally. I was like, wait a minute. At <laughs> first blamed on, you know, Trump people. Right. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, he's from Morocco, and this was a, oh, oh, and he shouted Allahu Akbar. Okay, now we, yeah, now we know what happened. Yeah, so Justin Trudeau, who praised Castro, <laughs> said, we'll take the refugees, America, because you're a horrible place. <laughs> okay. Good. Good, good. Take them. Yeah, I, I'd rather have them than Hollywood, if he wants to make some sort of trade, if we can get rid of all the celebrities, because I know they're all Marxists. I know they're all potentially terrorists. But the Syrian refugees, much lower percentage. Canada can take them. Oh, and here, here's, a, here's a radical thought. What about all the Gulf monarchies? Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, Kuwait. They've taken zero to date. Zero. Because they know that their, their government is at risk here. These are dangerous guys. They don't want to take them. But we take, historically, we've taken, I think it's four times as many refugees as anyone else in the country. Look at a chart. We dwarf everybody. We've cut down to, what, 50,000 this year or something like that? We still dwarf the rest of the world. Yeah. We're still the place that the Statue of Liberty talked about. Here's, here's what we need. We need a wall on the northern border. That's what <laughs> <Canadians>. we need. <laughs> yep. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 